So namaste everyone uh, for those who have uh, come to uh, come to this conference for the first time i would like to introduce dr alok pande once again he has already given his keynote talk and uh, on popular demand uh, he is he has uh, given us the time for question and answer session so i'll just introduce him for a few minutes and then uh, he will start his session so uh, dr alok pande is a psychiatrist philosopher researcher and lecturer in integral education based on the philosophy of the mother and shri arbindo he had several encounters with death during his medical practice a philosopher of temperament he raised many questions and sought answers to them both internally and externally he was finally only by it was only uh, it was finally only by coming into contact with shri arbindo and the mother that he found the answers that quenched the thirst of his soul He is currently associated with the Sri Aurobindo International Institute for Inter Integral Health and Research in Pondicherry, an institute dedicated to Sri Aurobindo's work and vision in the field of health. He has been the education uh, editor in chief of NAMA, a journal dedicated to the cause of an inte in integral approach to psychology, health, and medicine since its inception in 1993. Author of books such as Death, Dying, and Beyond: Patients at the Crossroads. and veda of the body his articles have been published in various reputable journals an eloquent speaker he has conducted workshops in india and abroad in yoga education health and psychology so this is going to be a follow up session of uh, his keynote so let's welcome uh, alok ji with a lot of uh, claps and joy thank you so uh, as we know this is a follow up session on question answers and i already have a few questions with me and i'll start with them and subsequently depending on the time and questions we can take it further so the first question uh, two very interesting questions first is for expectant mothers <coughs> what should be the routine for an expectant mother i am uh, happy uh, bit surprised also because normally why every time we hear the routine for an expectant mother as if fathers don't have much role to play <laughs> but uh, the child is as much a father's uh, uh, you know conception as it is the mother's but nevertheless it is true that since mothers are forming the child within their own body the role of a mother is enormous now the word conception implies two things if we really use the word it's very interesting one is the physical conception that part we know about that but conception is a term also used to mean psychological conception what is it that how do we conceive so it's very important when we conceive or going for a child to understand why we are having a child what is our conception of child what is a child going to be brought into this world for is it simply to satisfy my needs desires buy me get me things which i could not succeed in doing fulfilling my ambitions uh, such a parenting is definitely far from the ideal that we conceive in terms of the new consciousness and the new humanity of the future what we really want is that there is you know mother in one of her early talks speaks of the new conception now what is this new conception one the old ways that there is the old humanity and in this old humanity there is um, old way of life old way of looking at things so basically there is the old humanity and there is the old way of life in which we have old ideals old but all within the human frame now the new conceptions for which motherhood is important that's how the mother puts it is that there is a new kind of humanity or a new kind of possibility in which human beings are going to exceed and go beyond what they are what their frame is within that frame so this new conception the mother calls as the superman and she says something very interesting that superman will be born of the womb of a woman so women have are going to have this exceptional privilege of bringing into birth the superman it is something very unprecedented she brings a completely new aspiration that a woman can become participant to a new creation just as the new creation is leaping from the heart of the divine mother so also physically women who are conceiving children now they can bring in to birth the superman 
So we must understand now what is this super humanity. Every mother wants that my child should be the best, the highest, the greatest. But the best and the highest and the greatest within the human limits, we need to understand is nothing compared to the greatest and the best and the highest that is yet going to come. So basically, two, three things which we must remember that all our human achievements at every level will fail and pale away in front of what is going to come. This is what Shurabindra and the mother is envisaged. But still we must have some understanding. What will be that being? What kind of being? Is it something with new capacities, new powers, new possibilities? Well, one way of looking at it is like that. But most importantly, the new being, the new consciousness which will come, will act by intuition. So none of the goals and aims that we put forth before children from the time they are born are not going to apply. Children will discover by an inner intuition what they are meant to be. To exceed the human frame, to exceed the human formula, this will be his preoccupation. Which means, if we really want to put it in very practical terms, it will be endless progress and a march towards perfection. Which means that when we are bringing a child into this world, we should be aspiring that, O Divine, O Lord, whichever way we want to conceive, let this child be constantly moving towards an endless stream of progression and perfection. What we do instead is fix a goal. Now, the moment we fix a goal, we limit the possibilities. The goal could be becoming a doctor, the goal could be even becoming a good human being. Now, we have fixed the limit. Now, don't fix the ceiling limit for a child. There should be a constant urge towards going further and further, exceeding the limits, going into greater and greater beyond. This is important to understand. Second thing which he says that all we try to, you know, stuff a child with all kinds of uh, formulas of life. Now, we must understand that there is a greater truth that we do not yet know or do not yet understand. So, in a child, the child should carry within himself or herself the thirst for truth and the urge towards perfection, the urge for light, the seeking for light. Now this seeking and thirst is born in a child when parents carry this thirst. If we really look at us ourselves carefully, one of the big challenges of parenting, as somebody asked also parents, one of the big problems that we have today is that we all believe that we know. We read a few books, we have, you know, heard a few talks and we believe that we know. So that thirst, that seeking, that tends to go into the background. So when a mother awakens within herself this endless thirst, by thirst is meant, I want to know more, I want to seek more. It's not enough that I have read all about, uh, you know, God or divine, but I want to actually realize. Now, the moment this aspiration awakens, naturally it gets contaminated into the child. So what are the practical ways of doing it? Someone has very rightly and beautifully suggested that I read Savitri and I read prayers and meditations. Now what is the, uh, how, uh, how does it help? One is of course the straight answer is that when we read Savitri, when we read prayers and meditations, they contain those vibrations, that uh, spiritual consciousness and it enters into us and it's like a food for the child's soul. But there is another dimension to it, which is how we should read Savitri and prayers and meditation. When we read these books, we discover that infinite possibilities are there before us as human beings. And it impels us, compels us, helps us to seek them. Because when we read Savitri, just read one canto. Book one, canto two. What the Divine Mother embodies, what kind of love is there inside her? How she is leading her life, her mind which is a sea of white trans sincerity. Her, she is governed, her movements are governed by truth's revealing vault. And just reading that passage, wonderful passage, her kindly care was a sweet and temperate son. Then we feel, oh my God, we are so far away from this. We just read that one candle and we will see what is the difference between Savitri and ordinary humanity. That while ordinary humanity is lured by the beauty of the apparent ways and they wake up and go to receive their daily share of joy. So every day we live life ki aaj something must happen in my life which should make me happy. But she is not lured by that because she has come as a mission child. She has to find something greater, something deeper, something more beautiful than that has ever happened. 
so when we really read that passage we begin to we should we should begin to feel that my god this is so beautiful how i wish i could be like that this is the whole purpose savitri is the story of the divine mother it inspires us to become like her to become one with her that was the whole purpose of ramayana or you know uh, the stories of krishna that when we read we, we really feel that one is we worship yes but more importantly that can we embody some of these qualities similarly when we read book 1 canto 3 we see what kind of experiences that ashwapati has he is able to receive his senses are open to a new world as if there is a new perception new kind of knowledge can pour from inside and then when this aspirations awakens within us like a fire then automatically a child who is within the womb will catch that fire so reading is all right similarly prayers and meditation we can do a mechanical reading and of course it will help but read to awaken the aspiration when we read with an aspiration conscious aspiration then automatically it will come into the child this is the main thing and in the daily routine few things which are important is talk to the child it is something which is missing the child is becoming conscious you see a 3 month old child it is said that somewhere or the other it's not that the soul does come and enter that will take place much later but it starts visiting the atmosphere of the parents now it's not that soul will enter right away but at from 3 month onward especially 5 month when the heart begins to beat life has entered the soul comes and makes visitations just like you know when you want to buy a plot you go and see different plots and decide okay this is a good plot and you come so it's not what we are doing but in general what is our state of consciousness what is our atmosphere so when a soul which is of a very high quality wants to enter what kind of place it would want to come it will co- want to come into a home where the atmosphere is full of peace and harmony and joy because then it can develop in that atmosphere so all around us we must try to create an atmosphere of beauty and harmony and joy which means the way we arrange the room the decor of the room from sm- smallest thing the way we interact with each other mind you they say that the child is watching us uh, you know when the child is born something of the child is watching us even before it, it is born it comes into the atmosphere comes into contact and sees what kind of people now they supposing we are quarreling all day but apparently we sit for half an hour and read something ramayana or you know savitri or something but the soul knows from a different angle is my god what kind of parent so a good soul goes away but some other soul says okay fine quarrelous couple excellent parentage that's what i want angry parents so that kind of soul gets drawn into the atmosphere so the atmosphere is far more important environment inner and outer is far more important than the activities we are doing so try to cultivate conscious peace harmony and that's that's where the role of father comes in because you know he has a lot of role to play in creating the environment and atmosphere of the home this is the second aspect third is that we can actually by our thoughts form the child the mother speaks of it so we watch over our thoughts now a simple way to watch over the thoughts is that all around inside the room put some nice beautiful things a very simple way practical way so that going coming your eyes are falling on to that you know you must have seen inside the ashram those of us who have come near the samadhi you will see a little board written by in mother's handwriting silence now the moment you come there it it touches you silence now of course people sometimes tell you also but seeing is enough so inside the room strategic places not places where you will not see but strategic places one right in the bedroom when you look up when you are seeing uh, you know your gaze will fall at naturally at a place don't try to make it unnatural that there is mother's picture on the side yes by all means to do it but there are places where our gaze naturally falls so try to keep some very beautiful things there where your gaze naturally falls even in bathroom when we are sitting there is a natural point put a little writing in front so while going coming this writing is entering into us entering into the subconscious part this is the sanskaras very often people ask that what sanskara should we do this is the sanskara that all the time all this is entering into us from every side all these strategic spots 
place something beautiful maybe a rose maybe a plant so this this is another dimension of this fourth as i said importantly talk to the child so talk to the child tell a beautiful story you know the story of astavakra learning the gita or abhimanyu learning the you know chakravyu so speak to the child maybe and it's very conscious we may think that child oh he is not yet born this is the typical medical paradigm of looking at a child but a child in terms of soul has his own understanding so when you are talking many expectant mothers often you know get into a relation with the child even they you know put their hand over the abdomen and say certain words music it is known that when you play music in the child's environment the child listens receives so talk to the child beautiful things chant a mantra but don't chant a mantra impersonally chant a mantra you know to the child so slowly we will see that the child will develop those faculties spontaneously like love for music fascination for a certain mantra uh, mother's music if you play in the environment i have seen this actually happen and reading something from the mother telling the child beautiful things when the baby is in the womb so when we do all these things create an atmosphere talk to the child uh, have a conscious aspiration uh, when we read savitri and prayers and meditation awaken this fire inside us the thirst for light love for truth then spontaneously we will see that the child will embody some of these things at the same time we must know that each child will bring his own destiny and that we have to allow for that this is only for the conception when the child is born the same process becomes a lot more active but except that we must understand that trying to mold a child into a fixed format even a spiritual format please don't do that children have to discover their own spiritual impulsion spiritual impulsion takes many shapes i remember a child of 5 you know playing football inside one of the standard places meditation halls football means taking a ball and doing this so typically one of the elderly person scolded the child and said you don't play football here in the meditation room don't you know and scolded so the child looked at this person elderly person and said you know what i am showing my football to the mother and why are you scolding me in the presence of the mother now you know <laughs> when i heard this it happened in front of me and i said this child is more conscious than you know <laughs> so while i understand there is a place and we must understand that place but to a child never scold never few things mother has said never scold never lose your temper immediately if we show lose our temper and show any kind of you know it's a sign of weakness strong people are always quiet peaceful losing temper means a very weak vital the moment you lose temper the you have lost the game the child will never respect whatever outwardly may say he'll say oh uh, this fellow is not worth emulating so we must be a living example and then mother says when a child comes in spontaneously accepts a mistake then immediately he should be don't punish a child never you know the moment he comes and accepts a mistake make him conscious all life is about becoming conscious so we we must discuss with the child and make him conscious that what could be the repercussions of a certain action certain line of thought that's how it's a constant growth so talk to the child in that terms and most importantly she say never bring fear between you and the child why because fear is the most pernicious thing most dangerous thing what happens when we bring fear then one children become very under confident to start with this fear that we have injected will not remain only with parents it will go and spread into the whole world this child wherever he goes or she goes she'll be afraid why because she doesn't have trust she believes that i i am making mistakes i am wrong even when she is doing things which are right she will start with this idea i am doing wrong because we have instilled from childhood this idea that you are doing wrong constantly and this fear has come in so fear is very uh, you know is the worst kind of impurity the second thing that happens with free fear is that children begin to develop hypocrisy so in front of they learn that you know if i am like this i will get a scolding so what they do is they start presenting a very nice face so many teachers are also carried away oh dekho kitna shant bachcha hai kitna acha bachcha hai because they have learned that if i do this i will get praise from the teachers so we must be very careful when we give praises as to why we are praising 
and we must uh, discover that each child comes with his own unique things now that's a long subject and i am not going into it but basically replace fear with trust and most importantly give them a drop of truth mixed with abundant love if we can do that to a child nothing else is needed they need every day along with the breast milk that children feed give them enough love love never spoils anyone it is indulgence wrong attachment false understanding giving child anything that he asks out of god knows what proving that we are very good parents that can spoil a child love never spoils a child so give them abundant love express it through hands because the first contact that children understand is hands touch touch is earth so when they are born from that moment onwards right till old age have you seen that when parents they used to come and when you are not well what do parents do they touch the forehead and old time doctors used to do this when you go and say ki uncle i am not well so doctors will touch hold say beta theek ho jayega now doctors are wearing masks from a distance with the thermometer so even if you don't have much problem you will end up with a problem okay so give them contact there is a word called contact comfort give them touch embrace them don't be uh, you know um, oh how can i hold the hand of a child how can i embrace embrace play with the child this is the means when we embrace a child when we hold the hand we are connecting the petrol pump Uh, with the scooter <laughs> okay and uh, the petrol pump is the hardware we have love and the child's body and being is the vehicle but how do we transfer it we can do it with gaze we can do it in very through words but it comes most easily with contact so touch please use touch in education from birth to death touch is a wonderful thing learn to cultivate the joy and beauty of touch so these are just some of the thoughts and i'll take up the next question now okay which is also very interesting there are two more interesting questions so the second question is where does love come from and i have a very simple answer to this love comes from the heart of god you see when we read the purushukta in the rigveda it describes god in the form of a human being now somebody will say that well god is made in the image of man no man is made in the image of god so the core where is this heart located see whenever we say namaste we do it here or we say me have you ever seen people touching here and say me if somebody touches here you say he is going crazy no supposing you meet somebody say i so you will say are you angry or somebody touches the stomach and says me so you will think he is hungry but when you say me or when you bow down isn't it this is how we do it isn't it very naturally because this is the center this is the core love is the core of god it comes from the deepest self of god it comes from the inmost 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 and therefore it we can almost say that when you have gone through all experiences of divine impersonal personal brahman everything else manifestation divine in manifestation sharabhava divine beyond manifestation akshar everything you have gone through beyond the manifest and non manifest beyond the being and the non being then you discover love if you have discovered love you have discovered everything else so love comes from there but what we experience is love is something very different the ganges source is the same gomuk but by the time it comes to haridwar it is already getting spoiled and ganga sagar means it's all mixed up with muddy water so love needs very strong very pure vehicles to embody it love will not stay for long if the patram is you know very small mixed with jealousies possessiveness hatred lusts i want to possess dominate love will say okay fine please exhaust all your asuric propensities then i will come this is how shobindu describes in mahalakshmi that she steps back a divine disgust seizes us seizes her and then when mother was asked that why is it that love comes to us like a wandering guest it doesn't 
stay for long time you know this happens people uh, fall in love and fall out of love and then they say love is bad then again they fall in love again they fall out of love again they say love is bad and this goes <laughs> rather they should say love is not bad i don't know how to love so how to love she says that you must be very pure very vast very strong because it's a tremendous energy a weak person cannot love sentimentality is not love oh if i don't uh, if you don't do according to my this thing i will do this or that people emotionally blackmail this is not love this is a bargain this business like you know business people bargain love is something which knows only to give the moment i want i ask i demand i expect comes in please understand it is not love love means the urge to give and not because somebody asks you to give because it is the urge to give and it is one of the most beautiful feelings in this world if you ask me of all the feelings which is the most beautiful feeling most ultimate it is self giving and the reason is this that when we give ourselves we escape from the smallness and we enter into the vastness and infinity of god and we experience delight so love comes from the heart of the divine to embody it we need to be very pure pure means here freed from all these clutches of lower nature with all these as i said possessiveness domination um expectation jealousies and all this then it's something else anger fear and one has to be very strong to bear its impact because as i said it's the most tremendous power it's like a super niagara maha tsunami and if one is not strong one will be completely broken so that's why love comes in our life like a wandering guest so this is about love i could go on for a week on this subject but let me go to the next question since it's a question answer session now this question is about new consciousness what is the new consciousness in layman's terms very simple what is old consciousness old consciousness is what we are okay we all know what we are we don't need to understand what is new consciousness new consciousness is the divine whom we adore look at it very simply what do we understand when we speak about divine or god we immediately understand somebody who is full of compassion full of love strength somebody who has all the wisdom practical omniscience omnipotent somebody who will never get angry on you somebody who knows wisdom is embodied inside somebody who will act according to the law of truth so when we in ancient um, you know olden times when we used to worship we all have a varnan of divine so who is the divine divine is the purest highest of what of our own inmost self so when we even materially as i said you read the description of the divine mother in book 1 canto 2 and you'll see that this is what the new consciousness is new being is several places we will read that and in shri ramcharit manas we have a description of lord rama everybody must be aware of that shri ramachandra kripalu bhajman haran bhav bhay darunam navakanj lochan kanj mukh kar kanj pad kanjarunam all of us have heard no when we read hanuman chalisa what do we read we read description about divinity we read about what a divine being should be he should be strong wise ever ready to do the divine work driven by the breath of god full of love full of strength now all these attributes man has aspired for if we want to put it technically little more in a secular way then we'll say somebody who has truth without any possibility of error who is that divine he can't make mistakes you may think he is making mistake because we have a limited way of understanding but he can't make mistake because he acts in perfect wisdom then similarly bliss which never fades away not the joy and sorrow we experience who is that blissful the divine peace which is always there unconditional peace no agitation worry any of those things who is that the divine complete absence of fear want to read those divine qualities there in the gita also 
So, what really is the new consciousness? New consciousness is a divine humanity. In very layman terms. I am not going into it. So, what is the divine humanity? All that man has worshipped through the ages. But worshipped. And why he has worshipped? Give me this, give me that. But now, the boon that Sri has asked for humanity is, Give me yourself. I want to become like you. Not only in my soul... That is old yoga, but also in my mind, in my thoughts. May I think the way you think. May I feel the way you feel. May all your sweetness and love and joy be embodied in my heart. May I act the way you act. May my will be impelled by your will. And may my very body become a transparent instrument, channel, radiant vessel, perfect, wide and plastic vehicle for your truth for your light, for your peace, your sweetness and ananda to express through it. So when this happens, then we will say there will be a divine superhumanity. All the divinity, all the divine qualities. Recently we had Durga Puja. So we, who is Durga? Durga is somebody who has embodied all the gods inside. All the great gods have come into her. Now when a lady embodies Durga's courage, Durga's wisdom, then what do we say? She is like Durga, isn't it? So similarly, when human beings will embody the divine whom we worship in a temple or wherever, when he will become one with the divine, not only inside, but in his mind, in the, even in the outer nature, then this earth will become a home for the divine and the wonderful. So basically in one word, if you ask me, what is the new consciousness? New consciousness is the consciousness of the divine embodied by human beings through a process of evolutionary leap. It is the same thing. It is the divine superhumanity of the future. Then we can talk about what is the challenge. There are several challenges. We are built upon old format. Our old humanity is based on ego driven by desire, lives by analytical reason, the senses are limited, the very body is limited. So all these have to change. So that is the process. So I am not talking of the process. Transformation implies that all this old has to change into the new. So what is the simplest way? Well, we started with this premise that a new humanity is that we go to God and do not say, give me this, give me that. We say, give me yourself, sir, I want you. So what will God say? He will smile and say yes, but there is only one condition, only one. What is it sir? Shall I give you 10,000 rupees as gift? No, no, no. Lot of people give me in Tirupati, lot of things. That doesn't interest me. What will I do with all that? Okay, shall I give you um, my work? Very good if you can do that. Uh, but what about your uh, heart? That is for my family, that you know. Heart is for them. Work I will give you. Shall I give you my uh, knowledge? Uh, sure. We'll say, ha, we'll give you our knowledge, but we still want to understand and analyze and uh, that's how um, our old format is. So the divine asks us only one thing. Only one thing. If we can do it, nothing else is required. We tell the divine, I want you completely to embody you. So that we may become one with you, not only in our soul but in our nature. You will say, all right, done. Only one condition, you give me yourself and I will change you and give you your, a new self. So the secret of the yoga lies in giving ourselves. If we don't give ourselves to the divine, we may sit for meditation for thousand years, we will be a ravana with gigantic ego. When we give ourselves to the divine for the joy of giving, why? Because we want to be one with him. Then we will see that slowly, for, for some time, he will see whether he really wants to give or not. But a time comes and he says, okay, you are mine. After that, the change starts. And that change may start with a little new aspiration, with a little bit of illumination in the mind, like the early morning sun, little love for the divine in the heart. But slowly it will grow until nothing is left of ourselves, of the old. When we look at ourselves, right now we think so proudly, oh, I am this and that. But when the change happens, when we look at ourselves, we will say, oh, this stupid old fellow, this what I was. And then we look at the divine and say, grateful thanks that you could change this donkey into this <laughs> worthwhile human being. Okay, so self-giving is the path of yoga. 
that Shurabindu and the mother have advocated. Let me put it like that. Not that we cannot approach in any other way. We can. We, it's up to us. Each one is free. Democratic country, democratic God, democratic spirituality. <laughs> but shortest way. Because new consciousness means the divine humanity or the divine superhumanity. Give your, the old consciousness and this is the oldest exchange formula. You give the old and he will give us the new. Okay, in works, in our feelings, in thoughts. Practically it means think of the divine instead of thinking of all these useless things. Aaj market mein kya hua? Iran will fight or not fight. Iran is now in the background. What will happen to China? Let him take care. He will take care. Don't worry. <laughs> so, <laughs> there is someone who is going to take care. But instead, it doesn't mean we become indifferent. We take interest but that's a different story in a different uh, format. I am not speaking of that. But right now, our first preoccupation of the thought should be divine. Our heart's emotion should rush towards the divine. In every human being with whom we relate, let us see in that human being an image of divinity. Everybody is worthy of that, you know, because the divine presence is hidden inside. All our works, whatever we may be doing, smallest to so-called big works, everything has an offering to the divine. Even our very body's activities, breathing, heartbeat, sitting, going to bathroom, hundred things we do, sleep, actions from hands, walking up and down the stairs, taking a walk, everything should be done as if aspiring the divine to take hold of this body and this being. So this is the path of transformation that Mother and Shiobinda have shown by which we can arrive at the new consciousness. So why did we keep the name New Education for a New Consciousness? Well, because more and more souls have started this journey. Or they have waited for hundreds of years for this moment when the world is ready for this divinization. Up till now, souls have aspired for this. But matter was not ready. So when they entered, they felt very frustrated. They felt oh, one more attempt because they have already achieved that inner union. Now they come to help. But now more and more this earth atmosphere is becoming ready. And as the mother has said that this new consciousness, the divine consciousness, Shubhinda used the word supramental consciousness, that has been embedded. What is supramental consciousness? The consciousness with which the divine, one divine relates with this world. So something of that is embedded in nature, material nature. So the moment children are entering, they are breathing that, you know, something of that divinity. By the very fact of taking a body. Imagine if you go to Mount Kela, uh, not Mount Kela, sorry, Kailash Dham. Shiva's abode. So Shiva's abode, what are you going to ask? So because your thoughts will be directed completely now with by Shiva. You will be governed and controlled by Shiva and Mata Parvati because you are in that atmosphere. So similarly, because this new consciousness has been incorporated in matter, children who are going to come up, many of you I see sitting here, I think almost all, are going to embody this new consciousness. So they will spontaneously aspire for going beyond the human frame, human formula. They will constantly feel that there is something like a soul without knowing anything about it. I know this by experience. I, some child's birthday and... The child after the end of the birthday says something very interesting. You know, when the child confides after everybody is gone. Nine-year-old child. So the child says, you know what, I have, uh, everything was fine, all people around. But you know, I need time to sit also. So why? So the child says very beautifully, you know what, uh, people, I mean not exact word, but people want this, that, this, that. But you know what, actually... They carry in themselves that little thing and the child is showing you the hand, little thing, like little point, which is happiness. It is inside them. So then the child is asked, what do you mean by that little thing? That little thing, that is, that's what we should find. That is inside us and that gives happiness. And what is that little thing? The child thinks, thinks, says it is love. Now actually the child is speaking about psychic being. But the child doesn't know this term. But on the birthday, spontaneously the child feels that there is this core inside us. It's a very small little point. But it is this which gives meaning, this which gives happiness, this which gives love. And this is what we must find. And if we have it, nothing else is required. This is a profound wisdom. Great yogis, they are still wanting some powers. Here is a little child who says, I want this nine-year-old. So I am saying that this is a new kind of children. 
I see some of them come regularly even to the class. <laughs> so, uh, some whose birthdays is also approaching. So, they carry within themselves something new and beautiful. We as parents must encourage it. Rather than put them back into the old format. Don't do that. Let, let them evolve in this beautiful way. Let them understand there is something inside them that they carry. And if they find it, they don't need any other companion or anything else in life. Because they carry that eternal friend inside them. So just if we can tell them this much, if they can understand this much, our job is done. Rest will be taken over by this divine presence within. So these were the three questions which uh, I found interesting. I think others have already taken up changing mindset of parents. I think, but it's important. Let's just change our mindset. Forget about parents and you know. And it's not changing mindset. It's opening the mind to infinity. Sets are sets. So we may replace one mindset with another mindset. By mindset means a fixed way of thinking. So we may replace one fixed way of thinking with another fixed way of thinking and create a belief system. But just open their minds to infinite possibilities. That's all that is required. The change has to be brought by the divine. Open their mind to the idea that there would be infinite things in store for man. The idea of progress beyond the framework of humanity. That's all that is required. And then rest will come. So parents are not to be indoctrinated into this belief, that belief. But simply they must understand that whatever they think is the best, there is a greater best. And there is a better than the better best. There is a height beyond our human heights. And if they can understand this much, the job is done. Doesn't matter which way they perceive it. So this is what we need to do with parents. To cultivate peace and stillness in the mind is another question. Well, ask for it. As simple as that. All qualities, divine qualities. Peace, light, wideness, calm, joy, love. All waiting, right? Outside the door. Knocking at our heart time to time. And what do we say? No, 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 I have this work to do. Then peace says, okay, when can I enter your heart? Wait, 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 wait. I have to finish that work. After we finish that work, peace says, can I enter? No, no, I want to WhatsApp. So many things are there. So then again, you know, peace says, may I come in? No, I am now too tired, you know. I had a very tough day. So I want to sleep. So all these divine qualities want to come. They are not, they are conscious forces. We don't have to think of them like, you know, we have to gather something mechanically, go to a store and get them. They are conscious forces. But because they are conscious forces, they would want us to at least call them, invite them. They don't want to come uninvited unless for some beings it can come who have already called them for a long time or there is a past life connection. But ordinarily, we need to call them. So call for peace. It will come. Initially, because it's a little bit, you know, wants to wait. Peace means peace. So it, it, it will see whether you are ready. And one day when we are not even asking for it, we will experience peace entering our system. Then value it. Value it means that when peace has come, don't resist the temptation to lose it. There are a number of people who have this experience of quietude, calm, tranquility for a few moments. Then next day their life goes on as usual. Just the usual run of life. Again, after a few months, they experience say, Ah, it was very nice. I experienced it for a few moments. Then they say, I lost it. No, you didn't lose it. You didn't value it. You entered into again the same old life and its pattern. So that's why it is advisable that initially we should take out some time. And during those moments, we should just aspire for these things. And keep this time. This is my time with God. My time for calling peace. That time, hundred obstacles, hundred things. Parents, children, family members, this phone, just shut everything. The world can wait outside. That is the mark of somebody who wants to lead a higher life. You see, Yagnavalk leaving the entire kingdom and coming at the feet of the master. And then nothing matters. The whole kingdom, nothing matters. That should be our state when we sit for meditation. Like a blank slate. Whatever the divine gives, I will receive it. But at the same time, 
we are so much inwardly focused that this is my time with god and he is the most important person in my life and then the other things will slowly take their own place don't worry about them so peace stillness everything will come if we aspire for them and we don't need to go anywhere to do it because we are carrying the divine presence inside around us we have to, we can sit anywhere and call for peace later on when we develop a rapport like a friend then what do we do when supposing we are going and suddenly there is some big peace 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 and peace will come yes i am there what do you need just be with me and you'll see that your heart is filled with a tranquility agitated thoughts have suddenly been pacified why because we have made friends with peace so make friends with these divine forces ancient times for each of these forces there was a name it was a god but the problem was that we gave a fixed form to the gods and turned a religion shantakaram bhujangshanam ab now what happens the moment you say bhujangshanam so you imagine a serpent over which lord vishnu is sleeping so you have fixed the form but when you don't know this and you say peace same lord vishnu in his mighty wideness will come or shiva with his peaceful benef- beneficence will come but he will not come the way our human mind is conceiving shiva must come with a snake around his neck no his peace when peace comes shiva comes when peace comes divine comes so because the human mind has fixed the forms therefore these godheads have receded into silence so now is a new age in this new age we will not call them as gods but we will call them as conscious forces and beings love peace strength everything knowledge they are all conscious forces which will enter into us and change our life into a life divine so this about peace and stillness let me see concentration practice 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 <laughs> concentration practice in everything do a job do it with concentration you are putting a you know what is it arranging some objects do it with concentration cooking something do it with concentration chopping vegetables do it with concentration eating do it with concentration till one day concentration becomes so 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 developed that wherever this faculty has to be developed wherever you divert it it will come so develop this ability of concentration by practice if it it's not developing in one month practice two months it hasn't come in two months practice three months haven't come in one year practice two years do it till one day you say that just by mere concentration one can open all obstacles because concentration is a power like that so concentration comes with practice and uh, framework i have already discussed i think um, that's about it yeah the school and democratic education is vital for a new society balanced in peace harmony respect for all being parents have to be involved at school yes everybody parents teacher but let me say one thing while the mind wants all these things mind cannot get them we have to go beyond the framework of the mind we have to go deeper than our surface personality we can't find these things within the framework in which we operate it is like supposing you go to a shop where imitation jewelry is sold you tell him that i want diamond he will say yes sir i'll give you you ask him the price he will say sir 500 rupees aapka liye hum 200 rupees mein de denge you buy it. don't you believe that it's i'm just being fooled even going to a real jewelry shop and buying diamond is <laughs> difficult to understand so we must understand within the mind we seek but we don't find that's why seeking is given to every species seeking is given so that we can go beyond the framework and find it that's why every species seeking is the path of evolution seeking is not conscious in animals but you know that giraffe because the neck was being strained it grew into something tall so the when we seek the mind seeks you will not find it within the mind one day a door will open 
and we'll find it. So, but when we seek and try mental ways, it won't work out. So, there are two doors we have to open in children. But before we do it in children and parents, we have to do it in ourselves. One door which opens inward, it is the door to the psychic being. And one door which opens upwards, upwards to the spiritual consciousness. What is the difference? Psychic being is something which comes within the frame of time and space. It is our individual divinity. So it is the individual mode of expression of the divine within us. It is unique to each one, the true individuality. And the spiritual consciousness takes us beyond time and space. It is cosmic by its nature. It establishes the base for the entire cosmos. Whereas the psychic being, it establishes that nodal point through which the divine can pour his forces into us. So this is the basic difference. And these two doors must be opened. They can open through concentration, inner concentration, upward concentration. But they can open when we are in contact with living embodiments of such beings. That's why the value of satsang. So when we have satsang, teachers, parents, even children, some kind of satsang, some kind of concentration, then a time comes when in some people, I don't say that in everybody it will straight away open, but even in those it doesn't open, it has yet set the road, set you on the right road. Eventually it will open. I am saying that whether in a particular life or not. But because one has travelled, this psychic education, whatever effort has gone, one comes back with it. It is not lost. It is deposited in divine development banks, which never goes crash. Okay, so turn within, turn upward and take help from the grace. And a day will come when this inner door and the higher door will open. Then life begins. Okay. <laughs> then joy begins. Then love begins. Then we begin to live. Then when we look back at this, we think, oh my God, we were living like dead people. We thought we are alive. We thought this is happiness. This is happiness. This is filth. We thought this is love. This is love? My God. This is not love. Because you start tasting the real things. So, seek those things within, upward. And one will find those things. I think I have covered all the questions which were given. If there is anything else, please let me know. It is such a joy to see all of you sitting with such lovely rapt attention. And uh, so fortunate in this world where people are rushing and running into all kinds of uh, uh, things that I see most of us young faces that we are sitting here in this temple of the Divine Mother and aspiring for higher things. So my gratitude to give me this opportunity to interact with all of you. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Alokji, thank you. Will you be taking some questions, uh, live questions? Would that be okay? Alokji, thank you very much. Would it be okay if you can take uh, if if somebody has uh, has questions? Yes, yes questions? of course, of course, of course. So first, I have a question myself. Yes, please. So, uh, what would be the ideal teacher to student uh, ratio or student to teacher ratio uh, in a school where you know the where we can actually create such an environment where okay. children can actually get that uh, aspirations and so on, like yes. what you have spoken about. Yeah. And let's say if in a school we have uh, uh, a very high effective, uh, uh, like uh, student to effective student, uh, effective teacher ratio. I mean, if the students are too many and uh, teachers are less, how can we implement or bring about such environment that you are talking about? Okay, so uh, very beautiful question, very practical. So the first aspect of the question is, what is the ideal student-teacher ratio? Well, uh, when children are not yet formed entities, when they are still like a little, you know, mass, if I may use the word, 
then we can have uh, 10 to 15 maximum 20 students to one teacher because they are still you know not very well formed the moment you exceed that number 20 i mean studies show that when you exceed the number 30 but i mean for integral education when you start exceeding the number 20 then you know there is dispersal of consciousness because it's like a mass consciousness so um, few students who are of a different kind and the whole class is into that mode uh, so, but for children, say kindergarten and even up to maybe 10, 12 years of age, before they enter adolescence, I mean, the ratio can be 15 to 20. But as they go up, they enter adolescence, then we need not just the, we need also mentoring because they are entering into a very turbulent phase. And that's when the ratio should start coming down. Maybe when they enter adolescence, maybe 5 to 10 per teacher and when they enter into higher classes what can be called as adult education then ideal is one to one but if not maybe three to one so but this is the ideal as i said it may not be practicable uh, it is not the fact is that you know it it never really happens so what is to be done well there is a very ancient well-known truth that in any group there will be few who are like the hub of uh, something new and beautiful and there are others who will be like a routine you know they are coming teaching even when you have the ratio still all teachers will not uh, you know understand even supposing you have a 15 student to one teacher ratio still all teachers may not be open to something greater something more beautiful truer so those who are more open the few in number the few have to take the greater burden so this greater burden is a joy it is also true in any, any group life. Mother spoke about it even in the ashram context. She said that there are few persons who are actually doing the yoga. There are many who are there. Now what do these few persons who do the, really do the yoga, if we may use the word, yoga is done in us, but let's say they become representatives who take upon themselves the burden of the rest. Now this goes on till the others also begin to become part of this core. So at least there should be in any school at least one person, preferably three, five, as a core, who move around, interact. They should not be just in one class. They should be interacting with many students. And one of the ways to do it is, mother has given a wonderful uh, process, which, uh, you know, way, which unfortunately we don't uh, now practice. But see what she was doing. Today only I was discussing this, that you may have everything in the school. But what about life? Is there a subject called life? They are living. <laughs> they don't know about life. We have history, geography, science, physics, mathematics, biology, literature, art, humanities, life. How do they understand life? There is no subject like that. Why? Because it doesn't fetch marks. So where do you give life education? Evenings. You know, one of the remarkable things about the mother when she started the uh, center of education she started the evening classes and this went on till almost nine years and even the reason why she stopped at a point of time because she said nobody is interested but there should be one person or two persons who can take this kind of evening class for the larger groups where things like life but such a person should be like a you know, really a representative who is engaged in deep into yoga uh, on the path, then such a person taking this kind of evening interactions with children will take care of the deficiencies which will be there during the regular school times. So, some of I, I can see that uh, some of the people are there who can possibly do this kind of thing and they will take more burden, there is no doubt about it. So, this is the only way one can possibly take care of this. It's a not an easy task, but uh, it is doable. And the more we move on the path, the more it begins to become easier and easier. I mean, the ideal school is not something which is transplanted and uh, done in a day. It is like all things an evolving process. So if the right aspiration is there, you will see that more and more teachers will begin to join. At first, let us say if there are 20 teachers and two understand this, slowly you will see that four or five teachers understand this. So there should be regular uh, swadhyaya with teachers, that they should sit together and try to understand this new education. So that even with 30 to one teacher, when they go, they do something solid.
so this regular interaction of teachers between themselves interaction with parents so that this new thought can come even a visit to a place like uh, pondicherry where you know they can interact and meet with people or these kind of virtual platforms they are very helpful then one day out of two out of 20 you will see that there are four or five who are really interested that's how the group dynamics work and it expands to include more and more people yes thank you so much i have a follow up question one more and then yes, we will please. move on to the other questions if somebody has uh, the other question is, how do we uh, deal with quote-unquote difficult, you know, quote-unquote, I mean, uh, difficult students, like, yeah. uh, for example, in the context of our ashram here, we have students coming from various different backgrounds. So some of them, uh, they, they do not have proper family uh, environment where they grow in a, in, a, in a normal sense, you know, in a normal way. So when they come here, uh, I mean, they have to follow certain disciplinary uh, rules and so on. And they have to uh, change themselves in a certain way. So how do we efficiently as teachers deal with such students who need greater or you know, much more guidance from teachers yes. like us or others uh, when we are not able to give them that when, yes. when we don't have enough time, you know, yes, because we have other responsibilities as well. How do yes. we minimize uh, such, uh, yeah. minimize the time and so on? So uh, dealing with uh, students who are, as you rightly said, quote unquote difficult, I would put it like this, that uh, more than the background and all, students come from different levels. And it is not always a good idea to mix all the levels. See, that's why the mother spoke of the free progress system. So when we mix the levels, it will create confusion. It will be either at the expense of those who for, you know, no fault of theirs has, have, have to be, you know, come back. And uh, maybe this will also not help the difficult student. So generally it is better that if you have a few difficult students, they will need a special kind of um, you know, classes in a special format, something like a free progress. Now, I'm not sure whether a school in the ashram in, you know, Nepal can really provide this kind of thing, in which case one has to make some kind of selection at some point. But surely if one wants to undertake this challenge, then it cannot be done with the regular student setup. I mean, cannot be done in the sense one can always put in and do it as an experiment, but it is likely to completely spoil the group dynamics. It's much better that we, because we feel compassion, we want, you know, certain students to make two sections. One where children are ready for a, a you know, more direct and deeper education and the other way where even the basics are needed, like as you said, more disciplining. So that is one way, like in Mother's International School, there is the regular school and there is Mirambika. Similarly, in many places, they have this kind of a facility. Now, every facility will be there. But the difference will be in the way a teacher deals with a student because you can't deal the same way. If there is a very, let's say, a restless student and he is in the class with, you know, other student, he will end up making the whole class restless. So such a student who is very restless may need a lot more physical education because, you know, he has to learn to train his energies. He may not be really ready for a typical mental education. He may need a lot of lot more physical exercises, other forms of exercises. So we have to understand this. This uh, knowledge was there in ancient times, uh, what is called as adhikar bhed. But now we have lost it because, you know, well, as rightly it is said, democratic, yeah, it is true. But now it it can be done in very nice ways. That there are places, I am not suggesting special schools, but in the same school setup, there should be sections where these children can be uh, trained in a slightly different way. As I said, many of them will need a lot of physical education, which is one of the direct means of instilling discipline. Interesting games. And uh, if they have to be together in the setup, then give a lot of time for physical education in the evening. But unfortunately, then there will be an imbalance. But most simplest way to deal with these restless energies which comes from the prana which is absolutely unbridled unregulated is through physical education so make it increase it in the school especially for children who are not ready for you know deeper and higher education 
of course physical education should be for everyone but for these children it can be given in a very special methodical way thank you yeah. thank you now can we uh, can we go on to question uh, session from others yes we can uh, take one question perhaps i i saw someone raising the hand and you know we can, yes please please go ahead namaste this is me sandesh yes and i would like to ask you a question in, in, in spite of having a lot of friends and brother sister around us sometime we feel loneliness what is yes. the reason behind this yes wonderful so very good question though it's a little jara hatke but it's a very when people feel lonely in spite of having everybody i must tell you it's a special grace don't lose this opportunity <laughs> when we feel lonely that means the divine is preparing us to meet him you know there are people who are always busy with either friends family this that and they think it's a blessing let me tell you it is the biggest web in which they are caught there is a very beautiful line in savitri the soul that can live alone with itself meets god so if you are lonely and trust me that no companion whomever you may have hundreds of people can satisfy this need for the eternal companion which human beings carry so while it's all right friends are there everybody is there and whole world is there but seek that companion within us and if you have begun to feel lonely then means it's a sign that that companion is calling you saying look here i am also here so take it as an opportunity and discover that eternal companion who is not only in this life but in lives to follow who is not only during life but death another life what i am trying to say is when you feel alone and lonely make god your friend best friend ever because he will be always with us but he is a little shy natured so you have to you know kind of tell him you know we really want you we love you after a time he says okay fine i'll be your friend so he is counselor he is a mentor he is a playmate you know we have put god into a pedestal where we go do worship put malas that's old old time spirituality make him your friend doesn't matter whichever way shiva krishna mother shurbindo they would love to become friends so make them your friend eternal friend and all this loneliness will just vanish in fact then you would want to be lonely you know why <laughs> because he's your best friend you you are missing him you know what happens when you have a best friend you are looking for opportunities when you can meet your friend because you are so surrounded by things so when you have god as your friend then you will seek to be alone and be with him and that is something the greatest of friendship and companionship that one can ever experience all right so i think we will um, shall we close here thank you so much thank Anji. you thank you thank you